It's Money Talk. It's 17 minutes past eight and let's move to our discussion and uh, happy to welcome uh, to the show on a Thursday morning, uh, Enzio von Feil, a capital preservation specialist uh, for individuals. Uh, Enzio, good morning. Good morning to you, James. And also, let's say hello and good morning to Hebi Chan, uh, market analyst at IG. Uh, good morning, Hebi. Good morning, James. Good morning, Angel. Good morning, Hebi. Let's, let's start with, as we've referred to it already, the elephant in the room. Uh, we are a few moments or possibly half an hour away uh, from a vote on the U.S. debt ceiling. NCO, what are your predictions at this point? Have you been following the pushing and shoving from the Republicans and the Democrats, as some of them amongst their number uh, deny that vote? What do you think is going to happen? Well, my zoological input is that, the first of all, we have only a vote in the House today within the next hour or so, about 8.30 a.m. our time. The Senate then will have a few days to bicker um, by Monday. By Monday, I think they will have to vote to see if they decide to pass this thing or not. Um, I think that there's going to be a, a great deal of opposition even in the House by particularly Trump supporters. It's called the Freedom Caucus, whatever that's supposed to mean. The bone of contention is really the funding of the IRS, James. What I mean by that is that the Rep- many Republicans of the Freedom Caucus don't want the IRS to have a lot of funding because if they did have a lot of funding, then the IRS could go after the very rich in America and the Freedom Caucus, being a very freedom place, doesn't want that. So that's the key issue here, a key issue. Uh, Hebi, what do you see the key issues from your perspective? Uh, are, there, are there other aspects of this deal that are, are perhaps worrisome? Yeah, I think from my perspective, I can say that I can almost certain that they will pass the, the deal. Um, not only because that we have the, the rate about 78 times in the past 60 almost every 10 months per time, so every time, some years more than one time, some years less. But um, more importantly is the mentality behind that is they're trying to avoid a near-term issues. They could, they, could defer to, uh, they could avoid a default in this month, but they're trying to push the responsibility or push the problems to the future. And that's, that's something that I feel is probably the key thing that will drive this done. But, of course, I agree there's a lot of uncertainties there, especially in terms of debt. It's suspended debt savings, there, which will push that into the next 15 months uncertainty, not, that, not knowing how high that could be. I saw a, a number of estimations that there will be increased another $4 trillion. Um, That's a pretty much substantial increase from the current levels. And what that could possibly cause to the U.S. economy, I think that's a big concern there. So if that, that would take us through another two years, as we've heard. Now, if this vote goes against it and uh, the bill doesn't go through, what are the potential effects, Heavy, on, uh, on the U.S. economy, but I guess also on the, more widely on the world economy? Yeah, I think it's uh, even that not passed today, you still have very limited time because based on their Yellen's estimation that the next day will be on the 5th of June, so next next week. So I believe that before that happened, they could still have quite limited time, the clock's ticking, but they're still trying to find a solution. But even that not occurred in the worst cases, what I can see is that um, I think in the 
wider environment, we're seeing that U.S. is so moving close to a recession, and that pot- potentially, if a default occurred, there could be quite significant impact and increase the possibility for that. And apart from that, I saw an estimation saying that it could potentially increase the unemployment rate by another 5% for the worst case and keep the economy into like quite heavily recession level, and that's the worst scenario that could occur. Enzio, are we on a are we on a knife edge here? Oh, absolutely. I think that it's very much. We must not forget that we do have the presidential elections next year, and I think that Trump probably is very much out with his Freedom Caucus to wreck the U.S. economy, to then blame the Democrats, and then say, "I can save you guys now." That's kind of how he deals. He's pretty street smart. So I think the knife edge is also that what next to what he was saying is that the the government will not be able to pay interest on its current debt outstanding. And that, of course, means that all the collateral value of all the Treasury bills that are held against loans of corporates worldwide will really have a big problem. In other words, the, the debt will kind of evaporate, the, the, the credit lines. And then, of course, you've got massive fiscal tightening because if you don't have any money, you can't spend anyway. So... It's just a, it's a dog's breakfast the whole way around if it doesn't pass. And I'm afraid that Trump, in light of the 2024 elections, might just be having that as his goal with the Freedom Caucus um, people running around. Scott Perry in particular, the leader of that group. Uh, specifically, uh, Hebby, about the impact of uh, a failure to pass this bill on different assets groups. You were talking there about uh, U.S. Treasuries, but but mm-hmm. how how about the dollar? How about stocks? How about gold? You know what what's likely to happen? Would you say if if it isn't passed on those asset groups? Basically, gold up, dollar down. Sorry, go on, Hebby. Yeah, 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 I pretty much agree. I think that he definitely will give the U.S. dollar a quite darkened outlook because that if the economy is going down and we potentially see that the Fed have to move fastly, for example, the loosen is tightening now, that could potentially give the extra pressure to the U.S. dollar. And if the U.S. dollar has lost its shine, that potentially will give more extra um, demands going to the gold why a safe heaven for that, and that's the that's the logic behind. Yeah, what I agree with Enjoy is that the U.S. dollar will down, and the potential the gold price will be up. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So should I put, be putting my money, Enzo, into into gold at this point? <laughs> I think that, that wouldn't be um, bad. Yeah. Um, but I do um, also think the, the the U.S. may actually go the direction of Turkey, amazingly, which has high interest rates and a much lower dollar, which then boost inflation and that tells the fed guess what to raise rates even more well we shall see what happens anyway in the next um i guess uh, maybe 20 minutes or half an hour we're waiting yeah. uh, to see uh, when when yeah. when that vote uh, happens um but let's switch to uh china for a moment um enzio you know we've been hearing a lot of uh, negativity about china um on the show today but also uh, earlier this week and over the last few weeks in fact uh, what are your what are your thoughts at the moment what what is the outlook for any growth if, if at all i think at present it's very sticky because the private sector is being cornered and the private sector after all does account for about 80% of employment creation in the urban areas of China and 60% of employment and 60% of China's GDP. So 
I hope that pragmatism will re-emerge in China as it did very much under Deng and the private sector gets room to breathe. Jamie Dimon was saying the same thing and he was getting some, and the, the commerce ministry in China, as you reported this morning, was saying to Musk that they do want to encourage foreign investment in China. So I hope they, that the, the top leadership in China, in China gets that message. I myself am less bearish on China. I've not been a bull. I've never felt that China was a Lazarus, in other words, arising from the dead. But I don't think it's going to go totally down for the very simple reason that the political necessity requires the creation of employment. You have 12 million graduates coming onto the market this year. Those people need jobs. And I think that that's, again, my hope that pragmatism will prevail. If not, then it will become a very sticky story. Hebby, uh, yesterday the Hang Seng fell into uh, bear market. What are your thoughts uh, on Hong Kong, but China more widely as well? Yeah, I think I, I 100% agree. I think it, that's one describe what happened to China's economy front for last month, for May. I think just a disappointment. I think that the data, most majority of data that show up last month was not fit into the expectation, especially some of them were quite quite a big disaster. For example, the industry profit is dropping about 20%. That's definitely not a good news for the, for the Chinese outlook. Well, I think that the Hansen's big drop um, for the past three months, they had to drop about 20% on January, January high. Is that reflecting what the market feel about the Chinese outlook? It definitely not fit into the expectation what we're seeing, that the believe the strong reopening momentum could help to fix like the underlying engine for China's economy. But instead, we're seeing that the, once the momentum has passed, there seems like more issues, underlying issues, as Georgia saying, that either the uh, private sectors, the uh, labor market, they're not fixing the problem. Instead, they're getting worse and worse. Um, if I turn it into a more positive view, that what I can see potentially could help with this kind of the uh, the current down being bouncing up, I think that, the Chinese policymakers probably have to look at what their policies, what their strategy trying to boost the economy. For example, they're now trying to focus on the domestic independence economy. They believe that given the size of the market population, they can kind of stand fully independent by themselves. But if just looking for the economy, I think it's just showing that there's insufficient domestic demand for, the, for the China. And if, if they could kind of adjust that a little bit, trying to be broader the world a little bit, that not just Right. Highly independent in domestic, potentially given some policy support, that could be a key catalyst, a fresh catalyst for the Hong Kong stock for the China stock. Okay. Um, the other, yeah, let, me, let me let, let me ask um, Enzio for his thoughts, if you don't mind, Hebe, because we're running out of time. Yeah. Um, and and maybe oh, also yeah. let's let's wrap in AI, um, Enzio. You know, yeah. AI in China. What what's that? What impact is that going to have? Well, let's just quickly go. The, the, zoologically speaking, again, China has three gray rhinos, the demographics, the mountains of debt, also at a local level, and decoupling. And it, the, the, the decision in China, is, the decision at the leadership level really has to be, do I want common prosperity or do I want the Communist Party ideology to keep on reigning? If it's the latter, then I'm afraid the story, then China very much could become a Japan. In other words, just stagnate. So I hope that their pragmatism continues. Now, on AI, my sort of rather acerbic meaning of that is absolutely incompetent. Um, the problem is with AI, of course, that you have three 
issues opacity. People don't know how these AI tools are put together. Concentration. In other words, it will be Microsoft, Google, Facebook, or Amazon that will one day dominate people's and young people's thinking process. Guess what that will do for a dictatorship? And finally, regulatory gaps where the regulators simply won't be able to come to, to keep up with um, AI, the, the, um, the developments. And so you'll have all sorts of silly regulations that are anachronistic, resembling Noah's Ark, back to my zoology. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> Not at all, absolutely. Enzio von Feil is Capital Preservation Specialist for Individuals. Thank you, Enzio, and thank you to Heavy Chen, a market analyst at IG.